This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, Season 3, Episode 6. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I am your host, Riley Bowman. Uh, oh, I forgot our title sponsor. My goodness, Excess Sites. Guys, the Concealed Carry Podcast is brought to you by Excess Sites every episode. Uh, we are thankful to Excess Sites for being title sponsor of the podcast. It's actually really exciting to have a title sponsor after not really having an official... No, we, we never really had a title, title sponsor of the podcast, so... Thank you to Access Sites. And guys, today's episode is going to be focused on the one-handed draw, which happens to be the most recent uh, uh, Shooter Ready Challenge video that was released. Uh, you guys can always find the Shooter Ready Challenges at ShooterReadyChallenge.com. If you're not familiar, these were we started this video series, if you will, to be uh, to give you guys ideas and suggestions to you know, amp up your dry fire practice. Uh, and so each month we focus on a little different thing. And if you want to think of it as a, Hey, this month I'm going to focus on one handed draw, for instance, in my dry fire practice. And by focus, I mean, it's not like that's the only thing you should do for the whole month, but like just do, do it and do a higher concentration of it in amongst your other dry fire practice. Like I still do, my usual two-handed draws and my other usual dry fire practice in my routine but this month i am doing you know i'm taking like five minutes or whatever it's like let's say if i have a uh 20 or 30 minute dry fire session in a day which is not untypical for me some days i don't quite get 30 minutes some days might be five some days are 10 but i you know i try to have a good session where I can, but let's. Just, but basically, if I have like a, a twenty or thirty minute session, I'll take five minutes of that, and it'll be solely focused on one-handed draws. And keep in mind, I, I am working on a lot of different things all the time. But this month, the focus is one-handed draws. We're going to talk about one-handed draws today, and why they're important, especially in the context of self-defense. They do have a place, and so this is a worthy thing to practice and be familiar with. So. Today's episode sponsored and brought to you by LaserX Software, the fantastic dry fire software from Laser Activated Shot Reporter. That is the laserapp.com, L-A-S-R-A-P-P.com. We love the, the team over there at laserapp.com and all that they do. I've been a user of the Laser software since the original came out. Golly, like, it, I can't even remember how long it's been, but I've been using Laser forever, it seems like. I pair laser a lot with the cert pistol. I'm gonna talk some more about that in just a second. But guys, you gotta check out the Laser X software. Uh, go to laserapp.com, L-A-S-R-A-P-P.com, and you'll see when you're looking at their software, they do have the laser classic still, which is just like the old laser app that I've been, you know, familiar with for years and years now. Obviously, it's been improved over the years and has a lot more features than it once did. But you also have the Laser X version, which I think is phenomenal. It, it does have the option if you want to subscribe for the software on a monthly basis. There's that. At least you can check it out for like a month or something. Um, but you can also 
uh, purchase it for a lifetime license, which I also think is worthwhile. And that's what I have and use, and I love it because LaserX software is compatible with any device. It doesn't matter what I, what, where I am, or what I'm doing, as long as I have an internet connection, I can pull up my iPhone, my iPad, my MacBook. See, I used to have a a Windows laptop, a cheap one, solely for the purpose so I could run Laser software. Because it, for a long time, it was only compatible with, with Windows. And now with LaserX, I can use it with anything I have. So that's super awesome and super convenient. I can literally just take my phone here and, and open up LaserX and do dry fire practice in the comfort of my home conveniently. So check out LaserApp.com, L-A-S-R-A-P-P.com to learn more about LaserX. Also... The Cert Pistol from Next Level Training, sponsor of this episode as well. I, I think the Cert Pistol is a phenomenal training tool. We didn't used to have anything like this. I mean, Matthew, you remember it wasn't that many years ago that for a you either did dry fire with your live gun, but for everything else, for like hand to hand combative stuff, role play stuff, that kind of stuff, like you you basically had a blue gun. That was it. You had a live gun and you had a blue gun. Mm-hmm. And some people maybe had access to some munitions, guns, but those were primarily, those were reserved for some munitions, which was a you know specific you know, discipline of its own in force-on-force training. Um, and, the, and they're somewhat you know hard to come by and expensive to, to use. Cert Pistols, fantastic training tool, has a functioning trigger. I've used these in class demonstrations. I use them to demonstrate things in, in a, in a, at the range in a live fire class. Uh, I use them in, I would say, basic force-on-force type scenarios where we just want to demonstrate something, but we don't, we're not getting all geared up for shooting some munitions or anything like that. Uh, we obviously just want to be careful because it does emit a laser beam. We don't want to be shining that in people's eyes. But other than that, like they're very, very, very useful. But paired with software like Laser X for multiple shot strings, especially, this is where it's at. And I love that they finally came out the 320 model like a year or a year and a half ago or whatever, because that's what I use. That's what I carry. That's what I shoot. So guys, check out the Sir Pistols. Uh, they've got the Glock style, the MMP style, 320 style, and the pocket pistol model, which is close in shape and size to like your your uh, MMP shield or Glock 43 or P365. They intentionally designed that pocket pistol model to to not necessarily be any one of those specific gun styles or shapes. They wanted it to try to fill the, that whole void uh, of, of having a compact dry fire and training tool uh, that just really didn't exist other than to have a blue gun. So, guys, we appreciate Next Level Training. Nextleveltraining.com is where to go f- to learn more about them and the cert pistols and other training products they have appreciate your support of them and our sponsors next level training again and laser app so um let's get into our topic matthew sure let's do it yeah uh one-handed draw like i'm just gonna ask you straight up what is important about or why one-handed draw like yeah i mean obviously we're talking about the self-defense context. So there's a high probability that you're going to be engaged, you know, many self-defense uses of uh, involving firearms 
start out as a physical confrontation or, or something, you know, um, uh, at contact level. So you may be, um, using that hand to that, that, um, support hand to, um, or maybe one hand, um, to defend against a, a strike, to strike, to grab, to, you know, a, a whole host of things, um, and still need to get the firearm into the fight. So they're, they're, you know, outside of the obvious one of, you know, one handing handed one hand being maybe injured. Um, the hand just might be, might be holding a, a kid back. You might be carrying your child in your hands or, um, so a whole host of reasons why you may need to get the gun into the fight with the other hand still doing something. Mm-hmm. I could have done this in advance, but I did not. Um, but if you just spent a few minutes and looked through a handful of videos on John Korea's active self-protection uh, YouTube channel, I know that you would find very quickly a number of examples where these people involved in self-defense incidents and shootings uh, respond to the threat shooting one-handed. Mm-hmm. And I th- so... Th- that alone is its own evidence of why it's not just the shooting one-handed aspect, but it's a lot of times that you're having to deploy or get the gun into the fight with one hand only. And so like, yeah, that there you go. There's your evidence. I, I again, I, I probably could have been a little bit more prepared in advance of this of this episode today and like actually came to you with specific examples, but I've watched his channel for years now and I see, I don't, I, just because of time, I don't, I'm not able to watch every one of his videos because he releases like one a day, sometimes two, uh, which is a bunch. It's a lot of content and you, you got like years of content on his channel when you take it all into, uh, you know, its entirety. But uh, I, I just know because... I've seen enough of it that this is a common thing shooting one handed and shooting one handed likely means having to draw one handed. There's a reason why it occurs. Now I actually want to spend a minute and talk about why this may be Matthew. Um, Some of it I think is, is a little bit of a, some of this I think can be attributed to a training issue. uh, Meaning a little bit of a lack of training. We, we know that, by and large, the average person involved in a self-defense shooting is not overly well-trained, right? Just, just, I mean, that's, that's a little bit, um, what's the word? Not circumstantial, but, uh, um, anecdotal, anecdotal, right? Uh, but, but, I mean, you and I, we, we, we've covered enough justified safe stories and, and, and we get the sense from, just studying those incidents and again, also watching things on, on John Korea's channel that by and large, most people involved in self-defense shootings are not extremely well-trained. So, so a part of me thinks that some of this is like people tend to do the things under stress that they are subconsciously competent at. Right. And, and so uh, if you don't spend a lot of time training with a pistol, uh, if you don't spend a lot of time doing things like even force on force and other scenario based training, 
I would say it, there's a highly likelihood that regardless of the situation, that you may just simply grab gun and point and shoot. Now, I don't say that to, to suggest that we sh- that 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 excuses us from training, right? And I'm not saying that's automatically what everyone's response is going to be, but I am saying that under stress, we tend to do the things that we train to do and that we have trained to a, to a degree of subconscious competence. Agree or disagree? I would agree. Completely. Yeah. Yeah. So, so to that point, you know, on the one hand, I, I see this as a, well, and this is why we always talk about training and the importance of training. Like we all train more and we all want to be as competent with these types of skills as possible. And I'd say this much, if given the choice in a shooting, like I want to be shooting with two hands because I'm going to be more effective. And so, and and I, 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 I believe now I've not been involved in a shooting myself, but I, I believe that I would respond with assuming both hands were available, that I would respond with two hands that I would draw my gun and point with two hands and aim and shoot. Um, because I've trained that a lot and to a high degree of, of skill. And I've also done some force on force training too, where that's, you know, that that's just never really been a question. As long as two hands are available, like I'm drawing and shooting with two hands, that just, that's the way I operate. But, um, I have seen some anecdotal evidence. Like I actually came across a, 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 it was a story, if you will. I don't, I don't think it was on a news organization site, but it was somebody talking about being involved in a shooting and they shot one handed. And when asked why they, the only, the only answer they could come up with was it felt like that was the fastest solution. So for whatever reason, their brain just said, this is just going to be faster. Mm-hmm. And I believe that that's because they weren't all that competent with the gun to begin with. Because I know, because I've practiced so many times for so many thousands and thousands and thousands of rounds, I know that I'm faster with two hands on a gun than I am with one. Like, that's it, it, that's just a part of me. Like, I, I know that because I've proven it and I demonstrate it all the time. And and it's not always that the two-handed draw and shoot is faster than the one-handed draw and shoot. It's that I'm going to get shots on target sooner with the two hands involved than I will with one. Right? And my splits, if you will, uh, and we, we don't want to make this all about splits, but like I'm going to shoot more rounds in less time with two hands than I will with one. Because it takes a little bit more time for the gun to recover after recoil. It takes a little bit more time for sights to get lined up with one hand. So, anyway, point is, is like we, to kind of summarize what I've been saying here is that um, I, I see this a little bit as a chicken and egg type problem where we look at, we can look at the evidence and there's plenty of evidence out there, documented in, uh, evidence of, of people, of things that are caught on camera where people shoot one-handed for whatever reason. And those are not always incidents where they did that because they had to shoot one-handed, but because for whatever reason, 
in the moment under stress, they chose to shoot one-handed, whether they chose consciously or subconsciously. Does that make sense? Yeah. I, and I, I think you kind of like, and maybe um, this is, as you were talking, this is kind of where my brain was going with that is that, you know, when we see people um, maybe just punch the, they're, they're untrained, right. And they just punch the gun out and start shooting one-handed. I think there's a, there's a, an idea that I just got to start launching rounds in the direction and you're talking about being driven, squeezing the trigger as you see sights or as you see a, an acceptable picture, sight picture. And um, I think for an untrained person who isn't even concerned about sights is going completely natural point of aim, you know, just kinesthetic um, is, is not concerned with that, right? So their brain goes, how can I get this gun pointed there as quickly as possible? And so I just grab the gun and point it. And, you know, and oftentimes they're in such a close proximity to the threat that they might hit the threat one or two times. We don't know, but if they're just cranking off rounds and we never really see, you know, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about that one incident that just came up the other day with the dude that uh, is out. He's talking to two uh, girls in, in a um, parking lot and the, a, a car pulls up, two guys get out and he just brings the gun up and, and shoots, you know, um, he hits, I think one, maybe two of them. Um, but we don't al always know how many rounds are fired and how many of our hits and things like that. Mm -hmm. So I think when we're, when we're thinking about, you know, I'm quicker this way because yeah, I can get my sights and I, I can get follow-up shots more accurate, but when you're not concerned about accuracy, really, right. And mm -hmm. we're just trying to crank rounds off. Sometimes we just get kind of low, you know, fast and loose and we just point. And, um, so I think that might be why sometimes, mm -hmm. uh, we go to, you know, one handed draw subconsciously if we haven't trained. Agreed. Because that is the level of subconscious competence that an untrained person has. It, mm -hmm. Like we all have the ability to point an object and press a trigger uh, and be, I don't know, accurate is not a, probably a good word, but but in some cases be reasonably accurate. Mm -hmm. Again, it's going to all depend on distance and, and uh, difficulty of the target. But uh, yeah, for sure there are people that uh, are able to point shoot their way out of trouble. And they're fortunate that they're able to do so. And they're fortunate that nobody innocent is struck by errant rounds. Mm -hmm. um, I believe in training to a higher standard and that we are accountable for every round fired. And that also I will get the problem solved more efficiently. And, and by problem, I mean a threat. I will be able to stop a threat more efficiently if I put actually effective hits on target. Uh, and so that is what I've worked really hard to do over the last several years is get to a, a place where every shot fired is connected to a decision to fire, which is connected to visually what I see that suggests that there is appropriate or adequate levels of aiming involved to, to know that I'm getting hits on target. Because that is that's the that that is the way to get the problem solved. Uh, if you are point shooting, you are re, you are you're relying a little bit on chance that your rounds are going to go where they need to go, right? 
So people will say, well, hey, I'm three to five feet away from this threat and he's, you know, 18, 20 inches wide. And as long as I get rounds anywhere in his body, like I'm good. Well, okay, that's better than completely missing, right? But the reality is where we really want those rounds to be is about the size of your fist in the high center of their chest. That's not that big of an, of an area. So, so if I can get two rounds in that fist-sized region in the high center chest in two seconds versus spraying five or six rounds all over their body where, where one, maybe two rounds or maybe none, no, none of those rounds will impact in that heart region of the chest. Uh, and it takes me three or four seconds to do that. Like, and we, this kind of goes back to the, the, the hit factor, gunfight hit factor episode you and I did. We, mm-hmm. we basically talked about this, this very thing about like, what's better getting two very accurate rounds in two seconds or getting, you know, fewer than that or, or, you know, do you remember what, or do you remember talking about that? I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, is it, you know, like in part of the basis of that was talking about like USPSA competitive scoring where you have an A zone, it's worth five points, C zone and three points, D zones, one, one point. And like, if I was, if I was making the case that I needed to get 10 points of hits to uh, uh, affect a stop, well, it's going to take me 10 rounds in the D zone or three and a half, four rounds in the C zone or two rounds in the A zone, right? Like what is better and what will take less time? And the answer is pretty simple and quite clear. So anyway, um, all that to say that I think that a lot of this is a chicken and egg problem where people, like we look at something, we go, the evidence suggests we should learn how to draw and shoot one-handed because it's a thing that happens. But is that because of the reasons why we, that we like, is that because of some arbitrary, you know, mental slash emotional thing, psychological thing that occurs and like it just happens? Or is it more of a function of so many of these individuals aren't trained to a higher standard than, Mm -hmm. than they are? I, I think it's, I think training is a big, is a big thing to, uh, a big factor in all this. Yeah. Agreed. Just, I'm looking at John Korea's YouTube channel and just recently, uh, yesterday he posted a video titled Baltimore officers respond to shots fired. And this is, I watched a piece of this and this is quite an, uh, quite a remarkable incident. Uh, a man that, that, uh, a violent man, obviously, and he had started his home on fire and it's like, row it's like condos or row houses so so one house is on fire and it's it's going to be burning these other houses he basically does all this to create a scene and get emergency responders to show up so he can engage in a gun battle with them and uh the the body cam footage we get from the one officer he has to shoot him at like 40 yards away Hmm. and this officer did a great job you know under pressure with a difficult shot a 40 yard shot under stress and with moving bodies, like this is not an easy thing to do, but the officer gets the job done. Like awesome. 
bravo like you know that that's that is an amazing thing now that may be not non-typical for your average civilian incident uh meaning that most of us i mean like we're not cops and we're not having to respond to scenes and we may you know we likely won't have to make 40 and 50 and 60 yard shots or anything like that um but is it is it within the realms of possibilities sure but uh what's more likely well sure closer distance gunfight and things that uh, happen and develop very quickly. So let's let's now kind of branch a little bit into, um, you know, I'd like to hear your thoughts a little bit more, Matthew, about what are some of the specific, re- like you touched on a little bit, but I'd like to hear you expand on what are specific examples of when we might have to, not because we psychologically choose to for whatever reason, but where we have to draw one-handed. Yeah, I, I mean, probably not, um, you know, probably not high, high probability, but I've seen several, I can think of three um, incidents where somebody was engaged in a shootout um, and they were holding a child. Now, I'm not saying that that's what you should do, right? I'm not saying get in a gunfight with your, while you're holding your kid or, or whatever. I'm just saying there were three incidents um, where probably tossing the, uh, the kid on the ground didn't come to their mind and they needed to get the gun engaged in, you know, involved in the fight uh, sooner. They couldn't put the kid down. Um, you may physically, you know, be, be um, defending against a, a, an attack, like a, you know, um, uh, strikes, maybe somebody's punching you, they're hitting you They're You're defending against a, an impact weapon. Um, you may be, you know, um, over, you know, trying to hold something, think, uh, you know, think about putting something, getting assaulted while you're in, you know, putting something in your car, right? You may be trying to brace yourself up against from being pushed in the car and maybe you, you, you know, kind of sprawl out and you, you're holding yourself up in the, in the frame of the door of the, um, the vehicle to kind of keep yourself from being pushed into the vehicle, um, so yeah, so there's there's many different times where you know your hand might not be injured, but it's being engaged that you know where where it's not there to you know you can't use it to clear a garment. Yeah. So do you remember the incident? I think it was in South America or something, if I remember correctly. But there was a, a man that engaged in a gun battle uh, with one or two suspects but he's doing it the whole time while holding his toddler or baby in his arms. Yeah. Yeah. I, I actually have a, I wrote an article about that when, when it came out, cause it was, you know, and since then I've seen two other incidents like that. Yeah. As have I. So, you know, and, and, and that one was obviously pretty remarkable because, we have a great video example of it. We, where we, we see it very clearly and like, it's intense. And you have to remember that this is a guy that's shooting at guys that are shooting at him and he's holding his child. And it's just, I, I just, I, I, I find it so difficult to imagine myself ever being in a situation like that. I, I would hate to be in a situation like that where my child is so, so much of a, of a part of the incident, mm-hmm. but, uh, but, Hey, it, the reality is, is that sort of thing could potentially theoretically happen because it has happened to others. Uh, now my kids are starting to get a little bit older. Um, I'm not carrying my three-year-old around quite as much. 
certainly not really doing it one-handed because I think he weighs like 45 pounds or something. He's a big kid. But um, but it, it could be that, hey, like I am with a child and, and they're of, you know, walking, running, mobile age, but I just need to like keep them back or keep them away from the fray. Um, you know, that kind of thing could definitely happen. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it could be that now someone brought, now this is something I actually wanted to ask you um, about Matthew and like, what are your thoughts on one thing that people will say a lot of times is, well, you're already, you're holding uh, an object in the one hand, like you're holding your phone, for instance, or yeah. you're carrying groceries or whatever, you know, you so see, you, you've got an, a hand occupied, um, by an object and now you need to draw your gun. Yeah. I, you know, here, here's my, my two cents on this. Um, I try to keep my strong side, you know, my dominant hand, um, free. That doesn't mean that, you know, I, I, that, that kind of automatically puts you in a one-handed draw. We're going to carry something. Um, and, you know, some people will say, well, it doesn't really matter. Carry it in right hand, carry it in the left hand. It doesn't matter if something happens, you'll just drop it. And I, I, I assume that some people will, um, but I've seen oftentimes people freeze up and they don't drop what's in their hands. And then they go and do something and they're doing something with their cell phone in their hand the whole time or they're, you know, and they don't where they may have been able to drop it. For instance, like I've seen um, officers in, in a fight and they're whole, like they're, they're in an FI stance. They're, you know, a field interview, they're talking to somebody, they have a, um, a pad in their hand and a pen and they're taking notes and then they get into a hands-on situation and they're holding their notepad in their hand while they're going through trying to detain this person. And it's like, they didn't realize that they're holding and they could have just chucked the pad. Um, so I'm not saying that everybody's going to respond that way, but I would, I would say that, um, you know, even if you practice it on the range, it's, you can only do it so much because you're, you're already gaming the system, right? Like, you know, okay, the beef's going to go or whatever, and I'm going to drop whatever's in my hand and draw. So you're kind of defeating that, 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 um, that instinct to hold on to something. So, um, so yeah, I would, I would, my just mentality says, if I can, I try to avoid carrying something in my strong hand, um, knowing that at least I can get a one-handed draw. And then if I have the wherewithal or the ability to, to, you know, drop whatever I'm holding with, maybe it's a kid, I don't know. Um, but you know, you drop whatever you're holding and then go to a two-handed draw possibly. Uh, that's just my, you know, my mm-hmm. two cents on that. Yeah. So I've seen training where that's a focus of the training where they'll do draw drills of holding an object in your hand or hands and then dropping that object to then draw your pistol. And uh, a part of me is a little bit, mm, a little bit doubtful uh, as to how useful that is. And here's part, let me explain. Like maybe it's an experiential thing because I don't believe that you can get enough repetitions of doing such things to truly make it all that subconscious. Right. If, if that makes sense, like yeah. it usually takes thousands of times of doing something to make it second nature. And uh, so like 
so you go to a class and like, here, you're going to hold this thing and you got to drop it and draw your gun. Like, okay, so you're going to do it a couple of times. And then how much are you going to actually practice that in dry fire? Like, I, I seriously doubt that I, I, I just, I, a part of me doubts that it's a, a repetition thing. I think it's more of a, like, you just need to understand and experience what that's like and recognize, like, yeah, like I, 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 it's a more to me. It's more of a contextual thing that people need to be exposed to, mm-hmm. uh, rather than thinking that you're going to overcome that through. I don't know. You're just not going to get enough repetitions of doing that, right? Um, and so, uh, and here's the other thing. So I've I used to think, all right, I'm going to carry these grocery bags as I'm exiting the store late at night. You know, I had to make that grocery store run because. You know, we're home with kids that are sick or something. We need popsicles, <laughs> you know. So I'm going to carry, like I used to think, all right, I'm going to carry those things out of the store in my left hand and keep my dominant hand, my right hand free. And I have since actually changed that up to where I carry things with my dominant hand. And I could be totally off base in this, but I I don't know. Like, I, I believe that this would work. Uh, at least it would work for me. And that is that uh, there's no way I'm going to try to draw my gun with crap in my dominant hand. Like, <laughs> I, at least that's what I believe. All right. And so I believe that if I'm carrying the object in my dominant hand, that in, it's going to be more intuitive for me to recognize the need to drop that to then draw my gun and use it. I could be wrong. Like I said, I could be way off base in this. This is just my own personal theory. Um, but I've, I've given it quite a fair amount of thought. I've given it some practice even. And it just, that to me feels more natural and more intuitive as I have experimented with these sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Because like that hand, this is the gun hand. Like it just knows like, whereas the support hand, I think, I don't know. It feels like it's a little bit easier for it to get, for us to get confused about what this poor hand is doing. Yeah. Especially if we're not particularly well trained. I don't know. Yeah. Just a thought. And I know I threw that out at, at you at one point too in the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's still my opinion as of right now and something I continue to, to experiment with. Um, yeah. What, what other thoughts do you have about anything to do with one hand of draws? Well, I mean, I think when we're talking about one-handed draws, we can think of different types of one-handed draws, right? Like we're thinking of about a dynamic draw, something that's like quick, but what about like a surreptitious one-handed draw where you're, you know, you're kind of bladed, maybe um, you're holding up a, you know, your wallet or your iPhone away from your body a little bit to kind of draw attention away from what you're, you're, you know, um, you're, you're doing with your dominant hand going, you know, uh, getting that draw. So we could, you know, you could also use a one handed draw for like a, a more surreptitious type draw. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Perfect. Because yes, we want to talk about that. Uh, that this is a skill that is under appreciated. I think in a lot of uh, self-defense conversations, and that is the idea of the surreptitious draw or, a disguised draw or, you know, something to that effect. So the idea being that, and honestly, it is probably the best type of draw that you can do in a self-defense 
situation. Because it, when done properly and correctly, uh, the, it, you will it'll buy you time. They won't see it coming, right? Because if I can get my hand on my gun, then the draw becomes so much easier, right? Hand's already there. Part, mm-hmm. Half the battle of the draw is getting the hand to the gun in the first place. But if I can already, if I can start the gunfight with my hand on the gun, that's a that's a powerful position to be in. You talked about like holding things away from the body. Well, I'll tell you this much too: if you hold things out front as well, like up in there in mm-hmm. a person, like if like, hey man, give me give me your phone, give me your wallet, whatever. Like, if you take that opportunity, as because I'll tell you this much: if as you hold something close to somebody's face, uh, it it. it that object and your hand, even just holding your, your non-dominant hand out in front of you uh, becomes larger perceptually mm-hmm. and also causes the individual to have to like their focus, their accommodation has to change. Right. Cause now, Hey, there's this thing here, right? Like right, right now I'm doing the camera for those of you viewing and like, you see how the camera is like, it's struggling to focus on my hand, but, but, and if I all of a sudden remove my hand, then like it takes a minute to, the point is, is like we can use focal accommodation to our advantage as well. That while I am distracting with whatever I'm doing out in front here, I may be able to get my shooting hand, slip it under my shirt or whatever and get my hand, my hand on the grip of the gun. Mm-hmm. Um, also just looking for opportunities like, if your adversary looks away or is distracted by anything momentarily, that may be the moment to uh, begin a draw stroke or begin surreptitiously getting your hand to the gun while they're distracted, while they're looking away, while they're not paying attention. And when we watch and analyze self-defense incidents, quite often we see those opportunities occur as well. Yeah. Yeah, there's there, there's a many like videos that now you know as we're talking about this that I I think about that you can see you know because we know it's going to be a shooting we watch we watch it a couple times and you see the guy or, or the the person who's defending himself with the with the with the firearm his hand goes to the gun maybe sometimes a couple seconds before the draw even comes out like several times it's not just like a a one off you know. Um, it, it happens quite, quite a bit, um, because, you know, the, the, the attackers may be, especially if you're in a crowded area where they're looking at a bunch of different people and trying to see, Hey, is this guy, you know, a threat to me or the police coming and they're looking all around. Um, you don't, you know, fast movement draws attention, right? Mm -hmm. So you you don't want to draw that attention right back to yourself. So more of a slow um, draw and then quick, right. You know, bringing the gun in in, to bear um, seems to. Yeah. When when it's time to go, it's, it's time to go. Mm -hmm. And I would say that as soon as the hand is on the gun and as soon as you have an opening, uh, like that's, that's go time, right? Mm-hmm. Like if, if the hand is on the gun, like you, it can't linger there for very long. So the surreptitious part of it's all about getting the hand to the gun mm-hmm. without them noticing. But once it's there, it can't linger there because that's going to draw attention eventually. Right. So like that's at that point, it's pretty much go time. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, you might get it there and you might linger for just a brief second while maybe they, 
continue to turn their head a little bit further away or get distracted by something else. But when the hand is there, it's go time. Mm-hmm. And from that point, it's all about just getting it out quick now. And you should be able to do that. So if a one to 1.5 second standard draw time is the standard, um, you should be able to draw. If you start with your hand on the gun in the holster, you should be able to do that easily in a half second to one second, max, more like three quarters of a second. Realistically, you should be able to get that gun out and fire off a shot in about a half to maybe three quarters of a second tops. That's blazing fast, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's enough. Yes, we, we blink quite rapidly, but that's almost fast enough that if your, your adversary blinked, you could have the gun out and they, they would, they would be behind. They'd be behind the curve at that point because so, they're reacting to you. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Because standard human reaction time is about a quarter second. Mm-hmm. So if you could get that out in a half second, like you're 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 halfway there, right? So anyway, point is all this to say again, like this is this is the case for why a one-handed draw is an important skill to have and to practice. Now we didn't really get into the how to do a one-handed draw. Uh, but that is more the focus of the Shooter Raid Challenge. Mm-hmm. And in the Shooter Raid Challenge video this month, I, I demonstrate a couple of techniques for how to clear a garment out of the way. Now, this, this is more based around the idea of, for whatever reason, support hand is not available, is occupied, is injured, whatever, entangled. And so, all right, what are some tech tech techniques or ways of clearing your garment with just your shooting hand and then drawing the gun that way. And I demonstrate those techniques and also show how a one-handed only draw can actually still be pretty quick, mm-hmm. almost as quick as my two-handed draw, which is kind of surprising. Now, that may not, your, your mileage may vary. That may not be the case for you, where maybe you haven't practiced these sorts of things quite as much but uh, that's okay. Like it's just to kind of show what is possible and that if for whatever reason, our support hand is not able to be involved in the process of clearing garments and, and drawing the gun. Uh, if you're well, well practiced, it shouldn't disadvantage you very much to have to only rely on your dominant hand. Yeah. in in whatever, whatever it is, if it adds half a second, three quarters of a second or a second, whatever it is, depending on maybe the location of where you're carrying the gun or the type of clothing, maybe a jacket and things like that, whatever it adds, at least know what that is, right? Like, mm-hmm. so you, so you know, your skills and you don't overestimate your skills and say, okay, I can, I can do a one-handed draw here, right? Or a surreptitious draw and I can do this in this amount of time and it actually takes you, you know, three seconds. And so I think like knowing our lim- knowing our skill set is really important to being able to perform and choose, you know, at a certain time, you know, you, you, you perform, right? Like you, you have to, you know, if it's a one-handed draw, two-handed draw, you draw. But like, if I know my, my skill set, maybe um, I'm, better able to apply those skills at the right time mm-hmm. rather than expose maybe uh, a surreptitious draw too soon thinking I'm going to get yep. it out. And now I'm shot because yep. it's so slow or laborious. Yep. This is one of the, that's a great point, Matthew. This is one of the big reasons why I, I think it's important and valuable even to practice 
getting our draw speeds down to a certain level, right? Like a sub-second draw is not everything and not everybody should be necessarily expected to be able to achieve that. Um, although it's a lot more achievable than I think people realize a lot of times. Um, but I believe it's good to push ourselves and to strive for some of those upper echelon kind of standards in terms of draw and first shot time speed. Um, but it, to your point, it's also really important to understand what I can do because imagine the confidence it gives you when you know what you can do mm-hmm. and that informs your ability to judge a situation and make a determination of when, what's my go signal. When is it time for me to go? Right. Mm-hmm. Okay, because if you're standing there and you're in a situation and you're like, well, this this dude just looked away for a brief moment or whatever, like, oh, do I have enough time to like, uh, 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 you know, you might get kind of in that stuck in a feedback loop of do I have time to draw my gun or no? Is this the time to go or no? You know, you don't want to be there, but having confidence in knowing. I know if I like John Creed does a really great great job of explaining that, and we we covered that in the podcast many 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 episodes ago now, where he talks about the the time is the typical time it takes for like if somebody was to actually turn their head ninety degrees one way to where you see straight on their ear, like that basically gives you one and a quarter second. I think is the time he used um, to 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 do something. So like, that's, that's good to know. Mm -hmm. Like if for some reason that happens, like I know I can draw my gun in, in less than a one and a quarter second, easy all day long. Like that's an easy standard for me. So if I see that ear, boom, it's go time Mm -hmm. because I know, and I have the confidence to know that I can get the job done in that amount of time. But if you're like, Ooh, I don't know how fast I am, or I think, you know, like, yeah, you know, maybe more like two seconds and that kind of like, if there's just any level of uncertainty and lack of confidence in your skill set, then you're going to be a lot less, you're going to be a lot less committed to the decisions you make in uh, tactical situations like that. Yeah. hundred percent. Well, yeah. anyway, we need to wrap this up. Um, and I got to get to, uh, to an appointment, but, uh, uh, this has been a, I think, a, a good discussion with you here today, Matthew, as as always. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and obviously, like you said, we didn't talk about like the steps, but the shooter rate challenge, if you go on there, mm-hmm. you you provide a couple different methods and, um, and uh, you know, it, it's easier to see it in the video. So go check it out and, and, and see what, what kind of methods work for you and practice and how you can kind of figure out your times and, mm-hmm. and how you can draw and get an efficient one-handed draw stroke as well. Yep. And I would encourage you all, uh, Spend some time this week, this month, working on your one-handed draws. Uh, Develop that confidence and the skill to be able to do that consistently and repeatedly um, so that, you know, you get on that path of being as well-rounded a a fighter, I guess, as you can be. Uh, John on Facebook says, your reaction time has to be taken into account also. Well, of course, but, but... Sometimes we have, sometimes reaction time is not, and it, it, every situation is different, unique, right? Like there's 
There are situations that call for a res- an immediate response, and there are situations that uh, where we have a little bit of time to plan what we're going to do. Uh, surreptitious draws for sure are a non-reaction time event because ahead of time, like you are planning what you're doing as you're doing it. Um, but certainly in like a classic, like immediate, like you're sitting down for dinner in the restaurant and, and somebody just comes in gun a blazing, you know, like, and you're just immediately reacting. Well, yeah, there's going to be a reaction time involved. Um, but yeah, yeah. So all very fair. Now, when we're working with shot timers, reaction time is, uh, is built into those as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, so when we're working with stuff like that, like we, we, we get a pretty good sense of what our reaction time is. Yeah. Anyway, good, good chat today, guys. A reminder of our sponsors, uh, laser app.com L A S R A P P.com for the fantastic laser activated shot reporter software that pairs very well for dry fire practice, especially for getting metrics from your dry fire practice. And that's to me is the huge, is the biggest value of all from the laser software, specifically the laser X software that I prefer to use now because typically we've been able to only measure things in live fire with a great degree of accuracy, but now you can do that in dry fire too. And the laser X software software will permit you to do that. Also next level training, nextleveltraining.com and their cert pistols and other great training products. Guys, appreciate your sponsor, your support of our sponsors. And we appreciate your support of us here at the concealed carry podcast. Uh, we were recording this as of Tuesday, August third we will be back here tomorrow doing uh our episodes on august 4th we're just a little behind getting this episode out appreciate your patience with that um so we look forward to seeing you again here tomorrow and until then a reminder to train right train often and train safe so you can fight hard fight fast and fight true take care